Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the North versus South FPL podcast featuring my, myself, Heath, and my <laughs> co-host, State. How are you, buddy? I'm all right. Are you sure you're called Heath, though? Are you sure about that? I was desperate <laughs> to call myself State then. I don't know why. But yes, no, um, I am definitely Heath. He is definitely State. And this is definitely the North versus South FPL podcast. We have uh, a very special feature for you today. This is the FPL team of the past, and this is going back to the 1988-89 season. State and I were only four years old at this point, so I suppose we need to put like a disclaimer in there now. Everything we have done for this podcast has been researched either in the last week or we have your standard football knowledge that most of our generation may, may have. So please bear with us. Um, and blame Heath. It was all his idea. It was all my idea. It was. It was. It was very tough. And I think both. You, want, they, you, you wanted to give some back to the to the to the Gooner fans, didn't you? I, I believe. I think I that's what it we, was. We've been giving yeah. them a lot of sticks, so it yeah. felt it felt kind of like a. It, it felt quite a nice thing to kind of go back to their history and and celebrate their probably the finest moment ever. But um, yeah, let, let's let's go back. Let's go back. So it's 1988, and at this very moment in time, you know, there's a lot going on. Neil Warnock has left his managerial position, Scarborough, to join Notts County. Ron Atkinson, he's off to Spain to manage Atletico Madrid to work on that glorious tan of his. Terry Phelan has been omitted from the Wimbledon squad due to cannabis possession. Jan Mulby released from prison after 45 days due to reckless driving. And then during the season, Paul Davis of Arsenal banned for nine matches due to punching Southampton's Glenn Cockerell and breaking his jaw in a 2-2 draw at Highbury. Now, we also have the unfortunate situation of the Heisel disaster directly affecting teams in English football because none of them are able to perform in Europe. Uh, Liverpool, Juventus... Obviously, there was a huge issue with the fans kicking off and that led to a lot of fans passing away, unfortunately, uh, which led to the ban on English teams. And then, uh, again, another unfortunate disaster in the Hillsborough, which led to even more fans passing away due to crowd trouble. And this led to, I mean, it, you know, a negative that led to a lot of positives, saw the transformation of what we now see football now, where it's all-seater stadiums, and very rarely do you ever hear of uh, any football fan not coming home after watching a game of football. So that's just to kind of give you an idea of where we are at this very moment in time. Now, the notable things that actually occurred during the season, uh, Nottingham Forest, the Brian Clough's Nottingham Forest, beat the scum of Luton Town, actually batted them 3-1 in the League Cup final, which was beautiful. I wish I was old enough to remember that. Liverpool poetically had a Merseyside derby for an FA Cup final with Everton where they won after extra time 3-2 and Arsenal won the league title in the 91st minute with a Mickey Thomas uh, winner and that meant that they had the exact amount of goal difference to Liverpool and they won on goal scored to win the league title which I think has to go down as either the greatest title win barring maybe the Man City Sergio Aguero moment 
I, I don't know. I, I think that maybe most will probably say Arsenal's is better because they actually beat yeah. the team the, who yeah. they you know beats the title in that game. So, so. It's a, it's a, it was a shootout, wasn't it? At the end of the day, I mean exactly. And going to Liverpool and winning two 0 at Anfield back in those days wasn't wasn't an easy feat um, for for any team. I think throughout the entire eighties, to be honest with you. So um, for Arsenal to go and do that last game of the season, all pressure on them. To, to sort of you know get that two 0 win, Liverpool had the luxury of being able to win the game, draw nil nil, draw any score, lose one nil, lose two one. You know they, they could have they'd have been fine. You know, but um, and like you said, just that last minute, you know, practically the last kick of the game. You know, Mickey Thomas, you know, charging through the midfield, so for grabs now. Thomas. Exactly, exactly. It, Brian Moore, absolutely incredible. Now, I, I just think that if if you're unaware of that, I would recommend watching, believe the documentary is called 89, and it, it kind of showcases the Arsenal victory. George Graham basically turned that team around from being a, you know, kind of high-ish, you know, first division team to being title, you know, contenders. And like yeah. State said, the idea of going to Anfield at that point and even getting a point was unheard of, let alone going there and, and winning 2-0. So it's it's pretty incredible the achievement that Arsenal actually did there that season. But why are we actually going back to the 88-89 season? Well, what we aim to do today in this podcast is to, to create a team of the past. We've done this before um, for a, a team in the 90s. This is going to be our one of our teams of the 80s, as in for this season. We're going to build a squad, like you would do for fantasy football, of 15 players. We're going to have a 100 million budget. And realistically, we're going to work out the team that you would have wanted to have picked in your fantasy league that season, if the fantasy was going at that point. I had a few comments from our previous team of the past. We, we are picking this from you know, the, the last game of the season. So we know everything's happened. We're looking at stats of what's of why we're picking these players and we're working with that. We can't really pick a team of what we think we would have picked at the beginning of the season because I think that would have been incredibly tough and also probably not as much as, as much fun. So State and I have picked a, a Northern and a Southern team. State has teams such as Aston Villa, Derby County, Everton, Liverpool, Middlesbrough, Newcastle, Nottingham Forest, Norwich, Manchester United and Sheffield Wednesday. And I have in my southern section, Arsenal, Charlton Athletic, Coventry City, Luton Town, Millwall, Queen's Park Rangers, Southampton, Tottenham Hotspur, West Ham United and Wimbledon. And we can only pick players who are playing for those specific teams within our specific region. So I think it's clear to say that he won't pick anyone from Luton. I definitely won't pick anyone from Sheffield Wednesday in these squads. Yeah, I think that's very safe to say <laughs> <laughs> due to our dislike for that, those specific teams. So I hope that's clear. And what we'll do is we'll run through our teams. We'll basically explain who we've picked and why we picked them. And at the end, we will come up with an ultimate team of State's team and my team combined. I'm sure we'll have a few arguments at the end to, to work out exactly who's going to be in there but that's uh that fun is is to come so let's start off with the goalkeepers and state if you'd like to run through your goalkeepers from the north that would be 
brilliant. Keepers from the north. I mean, there were a lot of good top keepers out there at the time. I mean, the, the, probably the the big the big the big one was Peter Shilton, who was at Derby County at the time. Um, so I mean, Shilts was um, you know, well, still is to this day, I believe. You know, most cats England player in terms of goalkeeping appearances. And he was, you know, he'd be an obvious selection, but um, I didn't go for Peter Shilton because it would also cost a lot of money and Darby didn't keep that many clean sheets in that season, um, to be fair. So so he wasn't um, he wasn't selected. He missed out on selection to, to, to Shilts. Um, plus, you know, to be fair, I still think he should have done better in, on the, in the penalties in the 1990. Well, cups you out against Germany as well. Well, that's that's I suppose you know not happened yet according to this. So, so yeah, I'm probably um yeah not 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 right to, to sort of say that thing. Um, but yeah, I, I went for a guy who was at Notts Forest actually. Um, um, a guy called Steve Sutton who probably wasn't heard of by many people. Um, you know, I suppose I mean he was at Forest. He was there when Shilton were there, as his understudy. He was other other understudies as well. And um, he sort of, um, yeah, he didn't, you know, he, he didn't really get the, the number one jersey until later on in the sort of 80s. So Shillen had left, his replacement had left. Hans Sager's got injured, who was playing for, for Forrest at the time. And um, then Sutton came in and became regular first choice for Brian Clough throughout the back end of the 80s. Um, he was eventually replaced by... Um, very promising goalkeeper who more of us will have heard of called Mark Crossley, who sort of began taking over in the sort of in, in 1990, really. Um, so, but you know, Steve Sutton was part of the Forest team who played against Liverpool in that, um, you know, horrible and um, disaster at Hillsborough. Um, he was in, he was in the game, you know, he'd um, played in the League Cup finals for Forest as well. Um, and then, yeah, I believe it was the 1999-1 season where he lost his spot, but he was an ever-present in the Forest side. He's my number one keeper. I think he'd be foot about 4.5 million, I've written down. Um, Forest kept 13 clean sheets that season. Um, so he's my my first choice keeper um, for them for, for that season, to be fair, because, I, I, yeah, I just thought, yeah, decent enough person, you know, value for money is there. So I was I was pretty pretty much yeah set on that. Um, to be fair, because of that, I, I, I just went for just a you know a, a bit of a, a nobody um sort of goalkeeper as a second choice. And there's a guy who was at um he was at Derby County called Martin Taylor. He was pretty much loaned out everywhere most of the time. He didn't start very many games because in this season Chilton were their number one, so I just put him in there. So he'd only cost me four million, and that'd just make up for my second choice keeper that would for me i actually weirdly i play cricket with a guy called steve sutton and so weirdly i know this goalkeeper steve sutton because this came up on like a random tweet or something where someone said i i can't remember exactly what it was but it was something he he'd had an interview with like match magazine or shoot magazine and it and, and some of the stuff he said in there was very strange or funny or something like that so then I saw it come up on, my, on, on Twitter and sent it straight to my cricket mate saying, oh, looks like Steve Sutton's been around for a while because he's a, he's, a, he's a lovely guy. And Steve, if you listen to this, not the, not the footballer, the cricketer, he's yeah. a tough guy. <laughs> and and he's, he's, you know, he's, he's quality. 
and uh and I, and I sent it to my cricket mates and the only reason why I still remember that is because it, it's a picture on my phone that is near other pictures that I use regularly and it, it just kind of makes me laugh so I know of Steve Sutton um, well there you go yeah so it's good good start there who's in there for you then who do you got well, I'll start with my my reserve. I always think best till last, mate, which obviously you haven't thought that way. But no, nah, yeah. I, 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 you, you set out the stall straight away. You go in with fireworks. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to start off with uh, my reserve goalkeeper. And I think that it's, it's fair to say that he probably wouldn't have been anyone's pick the year before because the team got promoted, so he wouldn't have been eligible. So this is Millwall's goalkeeper, Brian Horn. I've never heard of him before I did the research, but basically Millwall got promoted the year before with, I believe it, Aston Villa and Middlesbrough. And Millwall literally tore the league apart in the first, you know, I don't know, first three or four months of the season. They were top of the league at one point. You know, I think that the, the Millwall fans were probably thinking of maybe doing what would be deemed as a Watford because years before that Watford did the same a similar thing when they finished second after promotion Millwall kind of must have thought they were kind of on their way to finishing high maybe even you never know winning the league and 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 Norwich and Blue started the season well didn't they that's that's right that's right and and Brian Horn was integral so they kept 11 clean sheets in the end eight of them at home so obviously the old den was was um quite intimidating for for teams to go to but unfortunately for Millwall, they ended the season pretty poorly and they didn't win a game for the last something like 10 or 15 games. In the end, they finished 10th, which is a great season after promotion, but maybe they were pretty disappointed about that. But they, um, yeah, I, I, I've put Brian Horn down as a 4.5 uh, million goalkeeper because his first season in the top division, Millwall had never been in the first division before this year. So... I don't think he would have been rated at five. I think he would have been rated at 4.5. I think four would have been too cheap. So 4.5, I'm working with 0.5s this time, unlike the last team of the past. Um, so that's my reserve. And then my my number one goalkeeper is uh, Steve Grizovic, who is basically a Coventry City legend. I've put him down as, as 5 million because I think that Coventry were quite an established first division team at that point. He got 12 clean sheets. I mean, his nose alone probably kept out a few goals. I can only think <laughs> I can only think that him, him and Gordon Cowens must have been going for nose of the year. I don't know how many times either of them must have broken their noses, but I remember I think, they yeah. were pretty massive. I think I think Grizovic is definitely a contender for um I'm gonna say this politely. Contender for the um Least attractive team of, over the Premiership era. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. Even Brian Gunn probably would compete in the goalkeeper stakes. I think a little bit. Yeah, I think Oggy probably understands that, and it's, it, you know, I think his game was is was the ugly side of things. That's why he played for a team like Coventry City, where let's be honest, not a huge amount really happened for them, apart from obviously the FA Cup win they'd had a couple of years before that, but. Yeah, he he was a Coventry City legend. And at the time, actually, State and I were growing up. You know, he was still playing for Coventry into the mid-90s. So he had a great career with them. And I I always remember him being a very solid goalkeeper, even when he was playing in the 90s. But in this this season, it seemed like he was uh, integral to Coventry 
having a good season that year. Top mm. half, solid. Yeah. Good season um, going through that. Yeah. Good season. And they didn't, I mean, they were one of the the, the harshest defences. They, they kept a fair amount of clean sheets, but I don't think they tore the division apart or anything, but uh, Steve Grizovic, numero uno for the, the Southern team. Mm. So we now move on to the defenders. And like a normal FPL team, you know, we have to pick five of them. I'll start with my cheap defender. And this is a four million defender from my perspective. Someone that I'm sure everyone's familiar with, even if you are, you know, kind of, if you're not really into 80s football, I'm sure you've heard of him if you were into 90s football. This is Neil Ruddock. And the reason why I've chosen him, at the time, he was 20 years old. This is his first proper season. He came up with Millwall and uh, halfway through the season signed for Southampton. He wasn't really getting much for Millwall. So moving to Southampton, he got off, uh, you know, a fair few appearances there. He scored four goals from centre-half, but realistically, he's not in there for goals. He's in there for his price tag, which at four million, I think, is fairly reasonable as a young defender. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so then my, my next defender which I guess, again, another defender who probably hit the heights of top division football in the 90s, but was just about kind of getting there was John Scales, who I've got in there. He was at Wimbledon at the time. Uh, he's, I think he's just, he scored five goals from centre-half, 11 clean sheets for Wimbledon. Put him down at five million. I think, again, he was pretty young, but I think he was a, a solid... Wimbledon centre-half played most games. From my perspective, I, th- I think it's quite tough to pick defenders from the southern section, if I'm being totally honest with you. But those two, so John Scales and Neil Ruddock, were probably the harder choices. The next one I'm going for, really <coughs> down to the fact that he's on penalties as a, as a defender. And I'm thinking to myself, even though he didn't score as many, it's always good to have some a defender who's on set pieces, especially penalties. So I think when we did our team of the past last time, I had Julian Dix down. And I think he scored a fair few penalties in, in that season. But it was more about the idea of, like, let's look at it from the perspective of if you're picking your team, you want to have someone who you think is going to be a, a danger to the opposition, someone who's going to, cost, who's going to score you random points out of nowhere. So... Someone who's on the penalty on penalty duty. He was sometimes a danger on the in terms of his tackling as well. True, true. But that's the reason why I didn't go for Julian Dix this year, because unfortunately he wasn't (laughs) on penalty duty and he was a danger to himself and other people. Um (laughs) no, uh, I've gone for a guy called Brian Kilkline for Coventry City. So backing up the Steve Grizovich kind of claim, he also got 12 clean sheets, but he was on penalties. He scored four goals, three of them were penalties. I put him at 5.5 million, probably a little bit generous. But if Scales is five, then I put him at 5.5. Maybe I could have put him at five. But, you know, last time I got a bit of stick for underrating some of these uh, these values. So that's my, my third defender. My fourth defender is someone who I'm pretty sure, again, a bit like Neil Roddick, most people should know or have heard of, is Tony Adams who was uh, captain of Arsenal, the obviously the title-winning team. He got four goals, 13 clean sheets. But I think it's more the fact of Adams probably, as one of Arsenal's better players at that point, would have got bonus points. 
I've put him at six million. I don't think I need to put him any higher because, to be fair, Arsenal weren't title winners the year before, the year before that. So, mm. I again, I think it's probably a bit generous at six million. But yeah, I think you've gone five point five, but prob- probably we'll six, probably. But it kind of tells its own story. I've got plenty of money to work with that I'm overrating <laughs> these players. But Adams was. Again, uh, you know, there were other Arsenal defenders that I could have gone with, like Nigel Winterburn or Lee Dixon, but I thought Adams was the better option. And my final defender, which is a real uh, absolute bonus for me, that to be honest, when I looked at defenders, I thought this is going to be quite tough. And then when I saw him come up on the top goalscorer list, I was like, wow, um, he's number one on my defenders list. That's Terry Fennick who was at Tottenham Hotspur at the time, and he's on penalties from defence. So he got eight goals and six six of them were penalties. He got 10 clean sheets. Again, maybe, I think, I think I've got the value right here, 5.5 million. I don't know if we would have known at the beginning of the season that he would have been on penalties. I'm not too sure. But I, I think I probably could say, if he's six, then maybe Adams is 5.5 or Kill Klein's five or whatever. But what I'm saying is he's not far away from probably being a six the season later or six Spurs and a half were, the season later. Spurs weren't doing much anyway, were they, to be fair? So it's not like... No. Know, they, were, they, they were mid-table the season before, so it's not like they, yeah. they, you'd have fancied them to all of a sudden become... I mean, although they spent a lot of money that summer did Spurs, you know, they brought in... You know, players, you know, you know, the likes of Gaza, Paul Stewart and that. And, um, you know, they were expected to do better than what they probably end up doing. But I think you've got value right there at 5.5 within. Yeah, so that they're, they're my five defenders. Now, I do have other mentions for midfielders and forwards, but because I was really struggling with defenders and goalkeepers, I mean, I guess for goalkeepers, one shout-out could go to David Seaman, but... I did think at time when I was looking at, oh my God, I think I just, I think I just said, instead of saying at the time, I said at time. At just time. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm listening to you <laughs> way too much. Jesus. Anyway, um, it could be you didn't go with Seaman because it was Luke Hitch who was the Arsenal keeper that season. No, no. So I was going to say Seaman at QPR. He, oh yeah. He yeah, would have been, I thought when I first looked at, looked at the teams, I thought, oh, QPR, good, good, uh, you know, their defence was looking pretty decent. Who's their goalkeeper? Oh, it's David Seaman. And I thought, oh, he must have been young, so he'll be my cheap keeper. But actually, he wasn't as young. And he had been around for a few years. So established. I, I, yeah, I didn't think I could justify the 4.5 million tag and therefore I didn't put him in. So I guess he's the only other person I probably could have put in out of the goalkeepers and defenders. So, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's, my, that's my southern uh, goalkeepers and defenders. Leads nice onto my defence then. Good defense coming up here. Very good defense. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go straight in with the big man, Gary Ablett, Liverpool centre half or full back. He played as well a little bit. He could play full back or centre half. But um, yeah, he'd been a, he'd been in the, at Liverpool since sort of the mid nineties. Debuted as a debuted as a youngster in the you know in eighty six and um, yeah. Basically, um, then started holding his own towards the back end of the eighties. Um, I mean, I think um, it was it was the sort of eighty eight eighty nine season when he really sort of started to play pretty much every game. Um, so you know, I, I, I put him I put him down as a 
sort of a playing for the best team and that I put him down as 5.5 because he wasn't sort of the, the main sort of centre defender for them. You know, they'd have Alan Hansen, Steve Nichol, um, you know, you know, Gary Gillespie and, and stuff like that and people like that. Um, and then they had Steve Storman playing at the full back, David Burrows, um, they signed for, for this season as well. But yeah, Ablett basically became a centre-half for them and, you know, he was well-established in, you know, for, for Liverpool and, yeah, in that season, I think he missed only a couple, of, yeah, a couple of games and Liverpool kept 17 clean sheets that season. So, you know, he didn't score many goals, but he, you know, passed the team that kept 17 clean sheets. That's a solid centre-half for you, or, you know, when he played full-back or centre-half. And so he's, he's my main man. I'd put him at 5.5 million, I think, because he wasn't the main sort of player there but he's still playing for the best team um, so it's um, you know it's some of that I'm thinking you know would, would have been that um, Gary Abler just um, for another fact he then got sold to Everton by Graham Soonis yeah. in the, the early 90s and um, he's um, become one of the very I think maybe the only I think he's the only player who's won the FA Cup with both Everton and Liverpool I think I'm, I'm sure, I think that start still sort of exists I don't think there's anyone else who's won the Cup of Everton or Liverpool? No, they were because Everton haven't won the cup since then. So, um, <laughs> and I doubt there's anyone. In, so, so yeah, um, so yeah, that was um, a good stat for him. Other defenders then. Steve Bruce is my next one. So he was at Manchester United at that time. United kept 15 clean sheets that, that season. So Bruce was a pretty much ever present. He scored four goals. Not quite at the peak of his goal scoring powers. He, he got that like a year or two later, but um. Bruce was um, signed from Norwich, you know, established himself in the top five with Norwich for a number of seasons, wanted to go to one of the big clubs and, and went there, I think, for just under a million. Um, so, you know, really, really big. And, you know, he went on to be Man United captain late down the line. But, yeah, um, Bruce was, a, you know, an integral part to, to Fergie's defence. I've, again, put him down as a 5.5 million, um, to be fair. Um, I, I don't think he's... Um, Cheaper than that, I don't think he were quite the six million side sort of player yet either. Though, um, then my next defender was a newcomer to the Premier League, and he went on to play go play for Arsenal and stuff. But this guy was pretty much like a player that they, they went on to try and bring into maybe fully replace Bruce, I suppose. And it's Andy Linigan who was playing for Norwich, so. It was his first season in the Premier League in 88-89 season. He signed from Oldham Athletic, who were in the um, lower, lower leagues. He'd been at Leeds before that um, as well. But then, yeah, his first season with Norwich. And, you know, he had a great season. He scored four goals. They kept 12 clean sheets. Norwich had a good season. And I thought, as a, a newcomer to the league as well, no top-flight experience. And I'm thinking he's a 4.5 million, you know, most sort of player, really, to be fair. Um, you know, I think yeah, maybe he could have been a, a, a uh, one of our current Norwich guys, you know, Omar Badele. It could be hey, four million, you know, any excuse four, but, to get him in there, right? Yeah, they're always getting that man in. We need game on this podcast, I tell you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'll put him in at 4.5, so I think that's nice. Then my other two defenders, uh, both Knott's Forest defenders. So I've got Stuart Pierce, the man, psycho. He, was he in he, your other one, your other team? Yeah, he, he was actually. Yeah, he was in the <laughs> one as well. So, How much has he you paid know, you? <laughs> well, to be fair, the guy's threatened, threatened you. Threatened no, you no, 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 no. We're, we're good pals, me and, me and, <laughs> me and Stuart. Real good pals. 
you know, I've always always supported him. But um, but yeah, I mean, he, he you know, he was he was you know getting into the um, the England team then, and um, and yeah, really established as a top a top quality, you know, full back. You know, he, he scored six goals, thirteen clean sheets for 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 Forest that season. Um, you know, and you know, Forest had a good season. They, they came third in the league, you know, and um, you know, season before they come third as well. So they were consistently that top in that top three. You know, they were becoming with Forest. You know, good good side. And then um, Pierce was a big a big part of that, and because he scored goals, you know, he took set set pieces penalties. Although I don't, he didn't score a penalty that season, um, I believe Nigel Clough was on them. To be honest with you, um, so but Pierce is going to be a five point five millioner, um, that's for sure. And then another player, probably one who's you know not everyone will know this guy, that's for sure, especially in the nineties. You used to get him as in your stickers all the time. But there was a guy called Steve Chettle. I don't know if you remember Steve Chetton. Yeah, he but, had the, um, the rosy red yeah, cheeks, didn't he? Definitely, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, um, yeah he was um, part of the, the youth setup at Forest, and uh, he, he made his first sort of um, proper time in the senior season in the 86 87 season. Um, it just became a faithful for, for, for Boris, really. You know, he was he was the, he wasn't the known one though, because they had Pierce, they had Des Walker there. Des Walker, you know, yeah. those those were the big Forest sort of defenders everyone knew about and were and were talking about. So he'd have gone under the radar at 4.5 million, definitely. I'm thinking he scored two goals that season and there were 13 clean sheets. So definitely the man's the man's in there. Um, where's where's uh, where's Nigel Pearson? He's, he's not he's not there. Unbelievable. Why would he be there? Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> exactly. Why would he be there? I didn't. You know what? I didn't even look at one single player. <laughs> I know Dave Hurst would have probably have scored some goals maybe that season, but nah, ludicrous decision to, to play anyone from that club. Well, I apologise, Nigel. I'm a big fan of yours. You were great ambassador for Watford FC. So. I apologise on State's behalf, but it did look like you just about stayed up for relegation by a few points. They'll, so they'll apologise on my behalf about <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday player, right? Don't do that. That's just, it's just, just wrong. You know, are you going to be calling out Luton players? No, shocking behaviour. I'll tell you. Yeah, just you just you're just trying to get a rise. I can see it already, and it's working obviously. So so yeah, so that's that. that the, the defenders. I'm going to carry on with my midfield, actually. So I've got some cracking midfielders here, and that's not just being big headed. It's just being, it's just stating facts. You know, I like to be like Rafa Benitez. I want to talk about facts, and let's talk about them. The midfield is is good, although there may be slight contention about um, whether one of the midfielders is a, a, a forward. But then again, given today's oh, modern FPL, then I, like I don't this. think. I don't I've got, think, I've got um, one of them myself. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay then. Maybe, maybe we can let each other off then if that's the yeah, case. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, um, but you know, we'll we'll see about that. So my um, so let, let me go with the the non-contentious ones first of all. All right. So, um, I'm gonna go with my cheap one this time. Um, so I'm going with a lad who became an absolute England legend in the 1990 World Cup. Um, because he'd um, he scored a he scored a great goal against Belgium, you know, and oh, you know he scored against Cameroon as well, and he just then became a you know big big stalwart for for England um, during during those years. And um, it's David Platt. So David Platt basically um, 
played for Crew in Division Four in sort of from nineteen eighty five to nineteen eighty eight, and he'd made a name for himself as a goal scoring midfielder, you know, and and then so Aston Villa signed him in in, in eighty eight um, for quite a big amount of money for someone like him, two hundred grand it was, and he became a, it was a straight away. You know, part of the team that helped him get promoted at the back end of that season. So they signed him in the jan- in February before the transfer deadline because back then you could sign players up until I think it was sort of back end of February time, couldn't you? There were no transfer window break. It was just you could sign players up until then, if you remember the old champ, champ manager. Um, and um, yeah, so they got, he was part of the Villa side that got promoted. So in the 88 89 season, Villa were back in the division and it was his first year in the Premier League and he, and he helped them stay up, you know, basically. Um, and, you know, he scored goals for him. And he was, um, you know, and I think, you know, he would have been a cheap player because he was unknown quantity. He'd been playing Crew Alexander in Division 4s and Division 3s. Uh, well, in Division 4. And then he, he, he was playing all of a sudden in the top flight, you know, and, you know, within a season. So he, he scored seven goals in his first season in the top flight. So great return. I think he'd have been cheap. He'd have been a 5.5 million with David Platt because he's not got the, he didn't have the, you know, the, the backing and playing in the fourth division. You know, who's going to make him expensive, to be fair, at the end of the day? I mean, how expensive was Jamie Vardy in his first season in Premier League after being played at Fleetwood? Probably not at all. So Platt is going to be, you know, less than that. So, so yeah, so Platt is like the, the big sort of, he's my like real sneak cheap midfielder who's going to bag me a great season with some goals. That's who Platt is. Okay. Then the other four, or other three, sorry, are far more established ones. So we've got Kevin Sheedy, um, who was playing for Everton at the time. He'd been playing at Everton for the entire 80s. Um, and, you know, he was an Irish, Irish lad. Um, he scored against England actually in the 1990 World Cup. Mm. He scored the equalising goal. Um, but yeah, he, he was playing at Everton, well established at Everton, made a load of substitute, a load of load of appearances for them. I think um, you know, 274 appearances overall for him. Scored plenty of goals. This season he scored eight goals. He would have he would have got assists as well. You know, it's been difficult to find assists, but you know, he was part of Everton's title winning teams in the mid 80s, part of the Cup with the cup team that won. So Sheedy was was like one of the, the top sort of midfielders or top wide players in the in the league probably for a number of years, I would say. And you know, he's got eight goals, he'll have got some assists, you know, he's he's gonna he's probably gonna cost you a bit of money. Given today's market, he probably, you know, as I said, he'll be sort of a, a nine million sort of player, I reckon, most likely. I'd, I'd put him at that. That's how good Kevin Sheedy was for those years. I think people got realised Everton were a top, top side in those middle yeah. to back end of the 80s. You know, they were fancy to win the league. They had a bad season in 88, 89, to be honest with you, because, you know, they, they didn't have a great season at all for, from their point of view. But, um, you know, I think at the same time, you know, Sheedy was still, a, you know, ever-present, scored goals, created goals, you know, and was um, definitely a solid one to, to have in there. Then we've got, you know, the, the the big man. Everyone will know this man. You know, you know he's 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 probably now more famous for his raps than he is for his playing days. People maybe forget about that a little bit. You should like this guy because he was big at Watford before he um, made the big time and moved to Liverpool basically. And um, so it's John Barnes. Why is he not your last midfielder? He's the best midfielder out of any of them. He should be the best to last. 
I've told you this. I like to do my fireworks earlier on. And <laughs> Get them out of the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plus, I wanted to save my contentious one of midfielder, maybe attacker. Hold on. Well, so oh. Sheedy and Barnes aren't you? Contentious ones. <laughs> no, they were they were wide players. And they were proper wide players in a four four two formation. They oh, were yeah. playing. They were playing this four three three where the wide three players get to be played as midfielders nowadays. So you know, so stop trying to wind up again. Bar- right? Barnes would have been your your Mo Salah, wouldn't he? Right now, he, he no, he's definitely Barnes. twelve million, right? He's not twelve million. <laughs> twelve million. He'd been playing with crappy Watford for previous few seasons, so you know. He wasn't, wasn't even playing in top flight football all the time. So I think, you know, you know, but it wasn't wasn't quite, you know, that at that point. I think right. so. I mean, yeah. Let's let's have a let's let's, have see, a let's, let's hear what his price is in a bit then. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, John Barnes scored eight goals. I mean, even in the first game of the season, he got two assists from watching the, the sort of season review, which you can find on YouTube if you want to have a, a look at that. But um so he'll got plenty of assists that season. He'll got bonus points. He was the man. He was just you know destroying teams. I mean you know, I remember that goal he scored earlier in the eighties for England. You know against Brazil. You know that that was what Barnsley were capable of. He could score goals. You know some fantastic goals. Um, and you know just did so much really um, on that front. But um, but yeah, he was big for Liverpool. He was a key player for them. Um, he arrived. Um, at Liverpool with a lot of good other top players and you know part of a side that had um, won the league the season before obviously um, and I think he was he got PFA Player of the Year so um, so yeah Barnes um, Barnes is definitely um, you know going to be an expensive one don't get me wrong you know I'm, I'm, I'm putting him I'm putting him in at well putting him in at nine point five I am so, what no yeah. chance what. You can what? put a million on top of that. Thank you very much. He's yeah, at least ten point five. Come that. on, come on. You'll you'll find uh, out in a bit when I my, I talk about my midfield, why you should be well, more than that. Come on. Yeah. Mm. Are you are you working with a hundred million now? Are you? What's yeah, your, what's I'm your budget? I'm, I mean, I've got money to spend. So I've got money. There you go. Money, money hey, left, Barnes so has got to be the most expensive player in the game. He was unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think well, I suppose so, but. He, he wouldn't have got big with point returns because he scored eight. He got only got eight goals. He probably got about twenty assists. Yeah, but you know, you know, you look at today's midfielders yeah. and people like De Bruyne gets fifteen goals and twenty assists. You know, so it's you know he's he won't quite at those point scoring levels. But the game was different. I know what you're saying, but I think there'd been more. You know, it's it's not quite. But I'll I'll put him up to ten point five. That's fine. I've got I've got I've got money I've got money spare. So nice. no problem. Nice. <laughs> so let's go on to my um my um my 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 final midfield man. Now I'm going with Brian McClare. No. <laughs> He's definitely a striker. He's him not a Mark, striker. Him and Mark Hughes were up front. They were the, the strike force for Man United in the McClare 80s. played in a number 10 role behind him. Yeah, number 10 is in a striker. It's not, not in the modern day. <laughs> Back in those days, they only played 4 4 2. They didn't play like nah. 4 5 1. Nah. If, and if you go on his Wikipedia, it says forward and midfielder. So, yeah, because he I'm dropped not... into midfield when he got older. No, well, who said that he didn't do it then? I'm, 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 I'm not having it. He's, Brian McClare's a midfielder. 
All right. I wish I'd gone with Dean Dublin as my centre back before. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was stupid. No, no. Claire played in midfield as well. All right. So I'm not having it. Okay. All right. Okay. He's, he's the he's the main the main man. Um. So yeah, because they had Peter Davenport as well. So you know, Claire sometimes dropped in at midfield, and Davenport and Mark Hughes, who came back from Barcelona. Went in there, but yeah, so McClare he's got 10 goals that season, so yeah, you know, goal scoring midfielder that's you know, Frank, Frank Lampard esque, really. That guy, you know, let's put him in that bracket, shall we? So, so yeah, and United clipped some clean sheets that season, so you've got some clean sheet bonus points for that, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you know, you got away with one there. I, 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 I'll give you that one, I'll give you that one. You give me that one. <laughs> I'm generous. You won't give me anything. It's just, it's just max. Okay, <laughs> there's no way. You know, Ryan McClare's playing that number ten role. He's, you know, Grealish plays it, Foden plays it, Sterling plays it, and yeah. they're all classed as midfielders in the modern game. So, I've, yeah, I've, I've used it to my benefit of the the whole um, current formation playing to for that one really. Whereas the previous one with Barnes, they have used. The old format, he was an actual left. left <laughs> Hypocrisy there, guys. Only, only You'll slightly. find it here first. <laughs> only slightly. Um, in, in terms of money-wise as well, McClare's, yeah, cool 8.5 million. Yeah, steady away. That's my midfield. Awesome. Stuff. No, it's, it's very good. It's very good. i, I got to be honest with you. John, John Barnes just, I mean, he's definitely going into the ultimate team. There's no doubt about it. I mean... There's about five or six of my team so far that are probably going in that already and we're not but, even going to my strikers. But Brian McClare certainly isn't because he's not a midfielder but okay, John oh. Barnes definitely is. <laughs> Brian McClare, he's, he's got a better chance than him. He might you've get got, in as a striker but not as a midfielder. You've, you've, well, have you got Paul, Paul Davies headbutting punching players in your side a bit, yeah? yeah he, he did his suspension, he did his time, all right? He, well, knows, he knows what he's done but all right, okay, let's, let's, let's talk about a proper midfielder, right? A, a genuine group of midfielders who are in a midfield, like it should be. You know, back in the days when 4-4-2 ruled the roost and, um, you know, if you're a midfielder, you're a midfielder. I'll start off with my cheap midfielder and I'm being generous again. Now, I don't feel like I should have been after some of this nonsense I'm getting from State. Nonsense, but man. I'll start, I'll start with Dennis Wise, who is my cheap, um, well, cheap midfielder. I've put him down as 5.5. And the, the reason why is because he had a good season the year before and he scored something like 13 goals. But it was kind of, it, I think it might have been a one-off season, really. I don't know if he, he took, obviously took set pieces. But I mean, I don't know, really, I've always known him as a holding midfielder rather than an attacking midfielder. But he did well the season before. This season, he didn't do so well. I think he only scored like five or six goals. But he's cheap. He's my second or third sub every week and I was quite happy to keep him there then I'm going to move on to another player who made who's that again who are you putting at 5.5 Dennis Wise Dennis Wise I'm I'm rocking my brain here no no why not he scored 13 goals the previous season in the top flight yeah yeah and he's a holding midfielder so he probably would have been right 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 sorry I'm not letting you carry on just this moment. I've, I've got an exact player from the modern day to basically chump you out of the park with this one. Okay? Go on. So, 
He scored 13 goals last season, right? Yeah. In the previous season. And you're keeping it at 5.5 million. Exactly. Because he's a holding midfielder. He just had a good season last year. Look, he didn't I'm have sorry. a good season the year before that. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just not happening. No. <laughs> no. I mean, look, right. He's like a, he's like a modern day then James Ward Prowse, basically, who was like 5.5 million last season or something like that. And he scored, you know, goals and that, and all of a sudden he gets shot up to like six point five million already. So you can oh, add right. a million up to Wisey right now. That's so not a problem. No midfielder who scores thirteen goals in one season comes in the following season at five point five million. To be fair, he should be seven million. Seven million. Okay, that's fine. I mean, he's now gone from being my cheap midfielder to my my kind of well, he's not my cheap midfielder anymore. And <laughs> you're going to laugh million. at me. He's, he's okay. seven million. Definitely. Okay. All right. Then. Uh, Ludicrous. Probably, Ludicrous. probably would take him out now <laughs> sorry too much but I, I can afford him now the next one I'm going to pick and also by the way Dennis Wise is quite young at this point just want to point out but anyway another young midfielder who, who scored nine goals and I'm, I'm putting at 6.5 million because he's young is Matt Letizier now I don't think you can have any issues with that because he didn't have a good season the year before he was um, very young in that Southampton team. This was his first proper season. I think 6.5 million is is fine for him, really. Probably would have been cheaper. And you think about Harry Kane being 4.5 million when he first came into the game in the Premier League. 6.5 is pretty generous. Hands up, go on. I always might want to see him midfielder if Brian McClare isn't. Oh, come on. Matt is a quarter midfielder. I can tell but you, I can, t- I can tell you, I can tell you categorically he's a midfielder. The reason why is because the other person that I want to put as midfielder was Rod Wallace. And then I thought, actually, I can't justify that because he scored 17 goals. I thought, I, I need to get him in there or something. And then I actually realised, well, I can't just find that. And then I looked at who other strikers they had. They had about two or three other strikers. They had like Paul Rydell and they had, uh, what do you call it? They had the other Wallace as well. So they had, yeah, they had three Wallace Wallace and Rod Wallace, yeah. And they had yeah, Ray Wallace at the, the back. Yeah, they all three played in one game together in that scene. But Matt Letizia was definitely a centre midfielder. Like that, that, that is just a fact. Brian McClare was a centre forward at that point. He dropped back as a midfielder when he got old and you know, just not as good. Um, but Matt Letizia was a centre midfielder, without a doubt. Anyway, so he's in there at 6.5 million. He got nine goals that season. Obviously, there's more to come from him. And uh, he goes into the, 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 the very strange category of being in both my team of the past from the, what was the season we did? Was it the 95, 96 season, was it? Or 94, 95? 94, 95 it was. Yeah, so Letizia goes into both teams, which is uh, quite unique. So him and Wise are the the cheaper uh, midfielders that I've got. And then I'm going to move on to Paul Merson. So again, slightly controversial because he was wearing the number 10 shirt all throughout the season. I thought he could be down as a striker, but actually when I looked at the stats, he was classed as a midfielder. So... I've put him in at 8.5 million because he was still very young, but as it, and he got the young player of the year that season to justify his, his pick got 10 goals. Now, if you're going to question that and you're going to say, actually, Merson's attacker, da, 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 whatever, 
I've got Brian Marwood as a backup. He <laughs> 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 got nine goals and was penalty taker. But I mean, I mean. I think, you know, Merson did play more this season playing, but yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got, I can't, I, I can't be too much of a hypocrite given my McClare shout really. So I'm going to have to, going to have to let you have this one. Yeah. Really. Brian Marwood probably would have gone into my team, but I think he got injured at the end of the season when it all kicked off mm. and, um, and he, and he, his stats weren't as good as Merson's goals wise and, and Merson getting young player of the year that year kind of took him over the line into the team. Mm. Obviously, Arsenal had a group of midfielders. He had uh, David Rowcastle, he had Mickey Thomas. Probably could have picked any of those, but realistically, goals were the things that set me over the edge with Kevin Merson. Richardson. Yeah, Kevin Richardson too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Paul Merson goes in there at 8.5. And now we go on to, to what I think is the most talented player in the overall, he, he may not make it into the overall team at the end, but he'll be the most talented player we mentioned tonight, without a doubt. Paul Gascoigne. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Gascoigne. The guy is just a genius. Only scored nine goals. I'm sure he got a lot of assists, but unfortunately assists weren't really a stat in the late 80s. I would imagine he would have got bonus points regularly, to kind of like back up my claim. And he also scored with a sock. Um, his boot fell off during the North London derby and he scored with his, uh, without his boot yeah. on, which is... That was his first goal for Spurs. Exactly, exactly. Well, yeah. Which is, mm. I mean, it, it kind of, he made it look very easy, but it's still quite impressive to do that in a top division game. So yeah. I put I put Gascoigne at 8 million because although the name Gascoigne, he, it was a big transfer to, from Newcastle to Spurs. But obviously didn't score that many goals with only six goals and didn't score many goals for Newcastle before. And State is shaking his head. <laughs> Eight million, seriously. Well, what were you no, about then? Well, he'd just been signed for a substantial amount of money in the previous ring. Now, in those days, and I'm talking millions of pounds here. And two million, right? In, and you're putting him in at eight million, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anything, it should have been I should have put him at two million. How much he was uh, paid for him? Well, it don't it don't work like that. Otherwise, screwed, <laughs> don't we? This, this hundred million budget would be gone by some having Paul Pogba in the side right now, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what would you put Gascoigne in, really? Given that his stats don't line up, I I actually think you've actually named the player I was going to compare him to, like Paul Pogba, unbelievably talented midfielder. But what is his value in the current FPL? You know, kind of situation at the moment what what is he valued at he's only valued at 7.5 or 8 million or something like that 8.5 he's not valued that high because he doesn't really he's probably one of the most talented players in the league but he doesn't get a huge amount of goals and assists which no, is the, therefore you don't pick him in your team basically <laughs> and the whole idea of dropping the value is to kind of get you in get them to want you to get them into the team so I think Gascoigne eight million seems reasonable. Eight point five, I'll negotiate. But, uh, okay, all right. Well, that's not, fine. You're not, you're not, you're not going to accept nine. So I'll, I'll put yeah. eight point five. Yeah. And then, and then we're gonna, we're gonna move directly from. I mean, what I like to say, I think Gascoigne is probably the most talented player we're going to mention tonight. But I think this guy is not far behind, as in a talent. 
his I think his roommate um, for England for, certainly, but may have been for Spurs as well. Chris Waddle, who was another Geordie player for Tottenham at the time, he unfortunately had three poor seasons going into this season, goals-wise. But this season, he scored 14 goals from midfield. I've put him at 10 million, which now I'm thinking actually it's quite a lot, considering that Barnsley's not, from your perspective, only going in underneath uh, 9.5. So I think I'm being quite generous of Waddle at 10. But, I mean, Waddle was the man. And... If you watch the highlights for, you know, Tottenham, it seems like he either scored or assists most of their goals at that point. So, yeah. and, and then he got his big move to Marseille for four and a half million after, after mm. this season, the next, uh, I think the season later. But yeah. um, the, the, the guy, I mean, you know, you, you probably know quite a lot about him from his Sheffield Wednesday time, uh, but he's just calm, composed, took all the set pieces Um you know, you could rely on him. And um, yeah, he, he had a very good season with with Spurs this year. And again, if he doesn't go into the ultimate team, I, I'll be shocked. You might be shocked. <laughs> so that, that that's my five. So we've got Dennis Wise, Matt Letizio, Paul Merson, Paul Gascoigne and Chrissy Waddle. And and now we're going to move on to the, the, the centre-forwards. And I'm going to start with a guy who... Came up with Millwall and basically was fantastic target man. Scored 13 goals and was probably the, the linchpin behind them pushing forward. I mean, his striking partner was probably unlucky not to make it in here, but only because he scored more goals than his partner. And it's Tony Cascarino, who was, uh, you know, well, basically a, a centre forward who probably doesn't really get mentioned that much nowadays unless you're from Ireland because obviously he did good job as an Englishman playing for Ireland back in the days when Ireland was made up of talented English players um, who couldn't make it into the English team. So Cascarino scored 13 goals for Millwall. I put him in at six and a half million because Millwall just come up. He hadn't been in the top league before. I think six and a half is fair enough. Again, his striking partner was Teddy Sheringham, who was very young at the time. Scored maybe one or two goals less, but my perspective, I, I thought Cascarino scoring more goals. And again, when I saw Millwall playing in the, the highlights, it seemed like Cascarino was in in and around most of the goals. So I'm happy with him in there as my tri- cheap striker. Then <coughs> slightly more expensive, David Speedy at Coventry City. Someone who annoyingly always used to score against Watford back in the day. 14 goals for Coventry. I've put him down at seven and a half million. Probably could be a little bit more, but I, I couldn't really tell you that. I thought seven and a half was fine. When I look at teams nowadays, you look at strikers around Coventry's kind of level, I think seven and a half is fine. Mikel Antonio kind of style. And the, the final striker is, again, he's going to be in the final team without a doubt, has to be, because this guy, well, not only did he score 23 goals this season, he was the first name on my team sheet and he also scored and assisted in the, in the title deciding game. It's Alan Smith, who honestly, I, I again, if you know football now, you know it very well, especially if you're of state and, and my generation, where we saw Alan Smith as a big man striker and probably didn't really think too much of him because he was slow and 
big men striker are unfashionable. They're not the kind of strikers you really wanted at that point. But him now in his professional career as you know, a journalist and a pundit for Sky Sports, I think personally he does a really good job, very composed. But I was really surprised at how good he was this season. 23 goals is incredible. And mm. I, put him, I put him down at 9 million. And I think 9 million is probably you would deem cheap because of his overall amount of goals. But it's only because he literally, he, you know, he scored a, a few goals the season before, but he got nowhere near 23 goals. I think he scored double figures maybe the year before that and the year before that. But Arsenal weren't a title chasing team. They probably were in the Leicester category like they are now. And Vardy, for instance, is someone who's, you know, around 10 and a half million or something like that in the current or around that. Uh, I've put Smith down at 9 million because I don't think anyone saw this coming. He just hit the ground running. I think after 10 games, he'd scored nine goals or something like that. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, he just carried it on going. So yeah, he's he's my third striker. That's a no-brainer. And, and I, again, I'll just, I have some other mentions. So you'll see a theme with the first two, both midfielders, Kingsley Black and Danny Wilson, both didn't make the, the final five. Mainly, no, and Danny Wilson didn't. Yeah, well, mainly down to the fact that both of them are Luton Town. So I didn't really care what their stats were. As soon as I saw that scummy badge, I knew that they weren't making it. And Paul Stewart, <laughs> Paul Stewart was in my team. I, I put him in there. I thought he was my controversial midfield forward, right? I was putting, I put him, uh, Gascoigne replaced him. I want, I want Gascoigne in there. And the reason why is because Paul Stewart, probably a very good football player at that point, you know, moved from Man City. He was like one of the big signings that summer. Someone that all the Spurs fans are probably really looking forward to seeing. But Gascoigne's the player you want to see. When you pick your FPL team, you want to have players like Paul Merson, Chris Waddle, Paul Gascoigne, you know, even Matt Letizia, players like that, that you're looking forward to watching their game. Now, that's how I pick my FPL team. I want players that I look forward to seeing their team at the weekend and seeing how they get on. And Gascoigne wins over Stewart all day long. Probably didn't get the amount of goals and assists that you would have wanted, but still enough that you want him in your team. So he won it over Stewart. And then my forwards I have down, Paul Williams at Charlton, Mark Falco at QPR, John Fashioner at Wimbledon and, and Rob Wallace at Southampton. None of those made it. I think, you know, realistically, Cascarino being cheaper kind of won him over into my team. He scored more goals than all of those as well, but only yeah. by a goal or two. And Speedy scored and assisted quite a few goals for Coventry. Watching again the highlights, Speedy seemed to be in, in and around it all. So, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, my, that's my southern team. So just to reiterate, I've got Steve Grizovich, Barry Horn in goal, Terry Fennick, Tony Adams, John Scales, Brian Kilkline, Neil Ruddock in defence, Chris Waddle, Paul Gascoigne, Paul Merson, Matt Tizier, Dennis Wise midfield, and Alan Smith, David Speedy, and Tony Cascarino. So, State, who have you got? Well, I realised I made an error and didn't tell you my fifth midfielder before I passed it on to you last time. <laughs> so I need to do that. <laughs> the um, it was a cheap midfielder as well. Andy Townsend, playing at Norwich at the time. You know, good solid player was Townsend. Didn't get loads and loads of points, but you know, he, he had an all right season, scored three or four goals for him. Um, and yeah, he'd, I mean, they sold. It was his he would, it was first season for Norwich. He'd been at Southampton the season before, 
Um, so hard lot of tackling, hard working guy. You know, not a big point scorer. Five point five million. There you go. Job's good. Not like a Dennis Wise five point five million because he didn't score thirteen goals the season before. If you get me. So there you go. There's your comparison as well. <laughs> good night, Vienna. Win for state. That is. Um, so now I can go on to my forward line since I messed up just then. Um, so I've got three quality forwards here. Scored goals that season. So I'm Brian starting. Brian No, Next. he's already in my midfield. <laughs> so don't be like that. No need, no need for that now, Heath. No need for naughtiness. Okay. So my first one, I'm gonna I'm gonna save the best to last this time round. Just because I'm, I will just to make you happy. Perfect. Okay, so my first one is Dean Saunders, who was playing at Derby County this season. Now Saunders had been, um, he'd played in the top division before with Oxford. He'd scored twelve goals from the eighty-seven, eighty-eight season, but they still went down. Um, he started the season in the second division. Um, he didn't join Derby until October time, so um, he didn't play. And as many games as you know, as, as some of the others, but he got 14 goals in 30 games in the 88-89 season, which helped Derby finish top half, you know, the fifth fifth place. You know, he'd have, he'd have played a full season, he'd have scored 20 plus goals, I reckon, easily. And you know, he'd have been, you know, been competing for the top scorer for Golden Boot Award. And so, you know, Saunders was, you know, at that point, he'd, he'd, I think, um, well, he, was, he was still. It was, it was early 20s, 24, 25, so he was not even at his striker's prime yet, but he was he had he had an eye for goal, he had pace, and he was he hassled defenders. Um so yeah, Saunders is going in there. And I, I think it'd have been it'd have been about I think it'd have been an 8.5 sort of striker, I think, at that point, Saunders. Um I don't think it'd have been more than that. Um he wouldn't have been any less though either. So that's why I'm thinking he he that with his 14 goals. Then then I've got my, my bargain, and this guy's the bargain buy of the season for any team, okay? I don't care who you think. And chances are, he, he should make it into our um, ultimate team because we need someone as a as a bargain in there for the money. He was the third top scorer in the league. He played for Middlesbrough FC, who got relegated still that season. But his name was Bernie Slaven. Bernie Slaven. I mean, if you can't find a more Scottish name than that, you're never going to find one, OK? Um, now, Bernie Slaven played for Middlesbrough for a long time, 85 to 93, you know, he'd, he'd, and this season, he'd, he'd, you know, Middlesbrough got promoted from Middlesbrough the season before. They'd gone basically from the third division all the way to the first division within two seasons. So he's going to be coming in as a bargain player. He's coming in at six million tops. I'm probably being a bit too harsh on the pricing because... He's not played in the top five before, but he went and scored 15 goals in a team that got relegated. 15 goals. I mean, you're not, you, you're not got a better bargain than that. You know, you can talk about other people, but no chance. Tony Cascarino, oh, balls to you, Cascarino. You only scored 13 goals. This guy scored 15 in a relegated team. So, happy days. Bernie Slaven, big, big signing, big signing. And then we go on to the big man, <laughs> John Allridge. Oh, what? Honestly, I, mean, I I really didn't see that one coming. I've got to be honest with you. Don't be a sarcastic bugger. No, yeah. no. I, I honestly think, like, I, I'm going to well, mention two strikers that I'm really surprised aren't in there, but carry on. Well, John Allridge was the second top scorer in the league that season with 21 goals. 
right. Um, you know, Liverpool brought back Ian Rush that season um, after he'd been abroad. And everyone will talk about Rush, yeah. But all Rich season four was top scorer in the league. Yeah, he knew he had Rush breathing down his neck because, well, there was Peter Beardsley along with them, and Beardsley probably was fancied to play by everyone, you know, little number 10 player, again, arguably midfield up front, who knows? Um, but um, but Aldridge scored an hat-trick first game of the season, along, so did Alan Smith at Arsenal. So them two start competing from day one. And Aldridge, yeah, 21 goals that season, only better by Alan Smith. Can't not have him in your team. And and the guy's, the guy's worth, you know, Called ten point five million, I'd say. I overreacted. <laughs> you did overreact big time. So, so yeah, you can't argue with that as a striker. I can't, I can't I mean, argue. I can't argue I mean, with John Aldridge, but I can argue with where's where's Mark Hughes? Where's Tony Cotty? Well, put it this way, Dean Saunders probably cheaper than Cotty. Cotty costs a lot of minute, money from West Ham. Mark Hughes, yeah, probably costs a bit of money. And I, I fancied Saunders to be fair. I didn't. I didn't think. Didn't fancy Hughes in my, in my side. It costs money. He's just come back from Barcelona. He's going to be more expensive. I didn't quite think I had that money to to burn. Mark Hughes, obviously Nigel Clough, um, Alan McAnally. Yeah, yes, unbelievable yeah. season. Yeah, you know, Rob Fleck at Norwich. You know, had a good season. You know, for in, in terms of that. Um, you know, but yeah, those, those are those are my guys, and you, you can't argue with the stats. Saunders scored fourteen goals in in about ten games less than all the others got their fourteen goals in terms of Hughes and Nigel Clough and McAnally. So you know, Saunders scored fourteen goals in less games than David Speedy, Chris Waddle, Tony Cascarino. You know, all those players. You know. Alan Smith obviously didn't, but you know, yeah, John Aldridge is the number one man up top for us with the others. But yeah, it was tough for the strikers. There's lots of options there. To be fair, um, you know, same same with you know midfielders. You could have had a, a fair few different ones. You know, I, I actually had options um, in midfield like you know Ray Houghton was unlucky to miss out from Liverpool. Likes of Steve Hodge, you know, Forrest, you know, always liked Steve Hodge. To be fair, you know, he was a good guy. Um, you know, there's no mention of a Brian Robson there, but he was probably injured all season, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, so, um, so yeah, I think yeah, there was there was there was lots of players you, you could you could have looked at there. Um, Stuart Ripley was a big one actually in midfield. That he was playing at Middlesbrough that season and um, you know, part of a relegated side, but did all right. He'd have probably been quite cheap. Um, but but yeah, oof, lots of options, lots of options. But you know, my my team. You know, with your add-ons, I'm, I'm, I'm still two and a half million under the hundred million. So, like I said, I'm, I was pretty confident I had plenty to spare there. Okay, so do you, do you want to run through your team again for everyone? Yeah. So, Ryan Taylor is my backup keeper. Steve Sutton is my number one. Defenders: Steve Chettle, Stuart Pearce, both from Knox Forest. Steve Bruce, Gary Ablett, and Andy Linigan. So then my five midfielders. We've got David Platt, Andy Townsend, Kevin Sheedy, Brian McClare, John Barnes. Save the best of last there. Are you happy now? Yeah, loving that. Yeah. Learning. And then front three, Dean Saunders, Bernie Slayer, and John Aldridge. Nice. It's a good, it's a good solid team, to be fair. I think we're both struggling a little bit for goalkeepers, aren't we? Because uh nah, Steve Sutton's the number one. Okay. Well, let let's let's um Let's since, go. Not, since I didn't go for Bruce Grobble, I was 17, but I didn't want to fork out 6.5 million for him. 
No, fair enough. So, all right, let's let's start off with. I think we could probably take one goalkeeper each here, right? So you want to go Steve Sutton, but I think Brian Horn at Millwall, eleven clean sheets, four point five million. Millwall had a good season. I think that we're surely we're happy with that. Steve Sutton and Brian Horn and Oggy can yeah, just have a rest. Yeah, and... they, they can be the keepers. Yeah, Og, Oggy can no. be the goalkeeper coach. I mean, that's the job that he was uh, he was made yeah, for. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so that that that's normally the that was the easy one last time if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, I think personally, I oh, think oh, that you do. <laughs> I think that Adams and Fennick go into this team, but I don't think that I can justify Kill Klein because his stats didn't really come up, or John Scales and Ruddock could go in there as a cheap defender, but. I'm happy to leave him out. So I'm. I think that Adams and Fennick go in. Fennick definitely goes in. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And so, who else is coming in from your team? So Pierce is coming in, right? Steve Chesswood shouldn't come in for a start. Yep. Pierce comes in. Andy Linnigan comes in because I think Linnigan will be quite cheap as well. Yeah. Okay. Or goals. Yeah, and you gotta have Gary Ablett in there. Seventeen clean sheets. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm happy with that. All right. So, so Fennick. Fennick Adams. Ablett, Pierce, and Linnigan. Okay, yeah. yeah, I'm happy with that. And then midfielders, go on, what are you thinking? Well, Barnes is in there for definite. I agreed, 100%, yeah. Sheedy's in there for definite. Okay. David Platt's in there for definite because it's cheap. All right. How much would Platt have been? It would have been about 7 million. Okay. What did he do? He's got, <laughs> he's got seven goals. Actually, no, he wouldn't. No, I, I think I put him out for Alice now because it was his first season in the league. Yeah, so I was going to say, 5. it's quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was 5.5. Sorry, 5. Okay. 5. I'm, I'm happy for Platt to go in there over Dennis Wise. No, no, I, I want Wise in there as well. Really, Platt, you can have Wise in there and you can have one other. Well, no, I mean, Waddle's definitely in there, 14 goals, 100 percent. Yeah, Waddle's, Waddle's can go in there. He's I want I want Gaza, I want Gaza in there, but I know he doesn't justify his his place in the team. And You've got twenty seven goals with your two. What a minus. There you go. Yeah, you I th- I think Merson, Merson, young player of the year, Arsenal won the league, eight point five. You can have Merson instead of Sheedy. I'll give you three. So I would you be happy. Have... I'll be happy with Sheedy in there. To be fair. Well, what so do we get rid of Platt? I think we should get rid of um, McClare for for a starter. Well, McClare's he's, he's on borrowed time anyway. Although he's got <laughs> ten goals, you know. But, okay, right. So Barnes is definitely in there for yeah. mine. Waddle, I'm giving yeah. you Waddle and Wise. You're definitely having in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm having Platt in there because he's a cheap option as well. All so right. We've got some cheap. And then Paul Merson. And then Paul Merson. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Brilliant. And I'll then give, I think our, our, yeah, our strikers are probably quite straightforward, right? So I would go with Smith, Smith Aldridge, Aldridge, and Saunders. Saunders. There you go. Perfect. Although Slade and Scott more gold, but I yeah. think Saunders, if he didn't play the full season, he'd have been there. Saunders, I think, Saunders got his move to Liverpool, didn't he, after this? And then he mm. he struggled at Liverpool, went to Villa, but he was, uh, he, watching the highlights, every time he scored, I was thinking, God, is that? Oh yeah, yeah, of course he's playing for he's yeah. he's playing for Derby. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Some of his yeah, goals think, scored that season. I think if Saunders had had a full season in the top flight that year, he'd have scored twenty goals. Definitely, definitely. definitely. Okay, so Good. the final team. 
We've got Steve Sutton as our number one goalkeeper and our resident cricket all-rounder. We've got Brian <laughs> Horn as our backup uh, goalkeeper. We've got our goal-scoring penalty taker, Terry Finnick. We've got our, our defender and captain, Tony Adams. Not official captain, but Arsenal captain. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we've got our hard man, Stuart Pearce, right? Uh-huh. Then we have got Andy Linegan, the, the high riser, the guy who's come from nowhere to be uh, a sensation. Yeah. Then we've also got our main man, 17 clean sheets, Gary Ablett, who goes yeah. to the other side of the Mersey after this. Yeah. Then we've got Chrissy Waddle, midfielder. Paul Merson, midfielder, young player of the year. Dennis Wise, our what we thought was going to be cheap, but a ta- uh, quite expensive set piece taker. <laughs> <laughs> then we've got, uh, who, who am I missing? We've got... Uh, John Barnes. Yeah, John Barnes. Oh, no, I wasn't forgetting him. Who's the other one? David Platt. We've gone David for Platt. Okay, our, our, our future England uh, maverick and then our current England maverick in John Barnes, who is basically the best player on the team, without a doubt. And yeah. then we've got our two main goal scorers, our big man and little man combination in Alan Smith and John Aldridge. And, and then we've been got together, 100%. And then we've got our, again, up and coming, out of the blue, Dean Saunders. That's one hell of a formidable team. And yeah, personally, well. State, I think I'm, I'm actually shocked and happy that we've been able to come to that kind of conclusion so quickly because last time it seemed a bit more difficult. But yeah, Brian McClare's happily sitting on the bench, not knowing whether he's going to come on as a midfielder or a striker. He's entertained by Neil Ruddock, who's probably pinching the back of his arm and Jenny just taking the piercing. And Gaz is probably halfway crying. through a bottle of vodka. Um, a bottle of vodka. So personally, I think that was a, that's a, that's a really, really good team. First, first things first, I'm going to, you know, get straight to the point, which is if anyone listening to this has got any issues with this whatsoever and wants to disagree with us, please let us know on Twitter. My handle is uh, at FPL underscore Southerner and States is at um, underscore FPL Northerner. Please, please, please get in touch. Tell us your, your issues, your gripes with our team. Tell us who you would put in there. Give us some evidence to back it up because I don't want any of this, oh, it's just because he's good. I want genuine evidence. I want to be trying to think about how we're going to fit this other player into our team. Yeah, Um, definitely. Overall, I'm I'm happy. But um, but all is not over yet, he. All is not over. Oh, yeah, of course. I've created something magical for you to finish this podcast. Of course, of course, of course, yeah. I say best till last. This is the best till last. So State has very kindly put a quiz together for, for me. And um, yeah, it's a, a nice added bonus to add to this uh, superb podcast. So Definitely. so State, hit yeah. me with it. Most of these things has been mentioned during this podcast, which should mean that you should know the answers to a lot of these questions. Let's see how you work under pressure, though. Bernie Slaven. <laughs> not correct you got the first question wrong I'm afraid and that was an easy one you'd have got that one as well <laughs> so um, Bernie Slaven did not win the first ep- the, the FA Cup that season okay okay so that's so you've got one co- incorrect straight away but be trying to be the cocky bugger okay <laughs> <laughs>
Serious, so you're not getting that one now. You know who won the FA Cup that season? Liverpool. Yeah, but you don't get that because you said Bernie Slaven. So sorry. Oh come on, come on. Yeah, sorry. Can't can't do this. Right, so right. Three teams to be promoted to the league for this season were. As in the the, the season yeah. before, or they who, had come up who, during who the came season? up? Yeah, who came up to play in the, the league for the 88-89 season from Division Two? So it was Aston Villa, Millwall, and Middlesbrough. Well done, correct. That was something again you mentioned earlier. So it's good. He's learned. He has gone out there, done some homework, guys. Look at this man. Shame we got the first question wrong with Bernie Slaven, but you know, oh, never well. mind. That'll come back and haunt you. Um, so um Gaza became the first player to be signed between two English clubs for this amount of money. How much was that money? I think it was two million. Correct. Well done. Well done. Good work. Yeah. Good work. Now, on to who was shit this season. Who was relegated from the 88-89 season? So it was Middlesbrough, West Ham and Newcastle. Yeah, it was. Fucking down the hammers. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. Okay, then. Who kept the most clean sheets out of the following three teams in this season? Manchester United, Arsenal or Tottenham? Uh, well, it's not. I know it's not Tottenham because I've Drink already. Drink what I think. Drink what yeah, I think. So. I'll, I'll go. I'll go with Manchester United. Correct. They got fifteen clean sheets. Arsenal only fourteen. Yeah. The one the adage one nil to the Arsenal wasn't good. Here we go. First one million pound player, Trevor Francis. Played at which club during this season? I think it was Queen's Park Rangers. Correct. He went, I think he went on to be player manager. Yeah, well done. Well done. You, you, you've done your homework. I like this. Okay. Ian Rush returned to Liverpool after one season away at which club? Juventus. Well done. Very, very good. Very good indeed. So, another easy one. If you get all these right, You've done brilliantly, but you're not gonna. That's not gonna happen because Bernie Slaven obviously let you down. <laughs> um, Arsenal beat Liverpool to win the title. In which minute did Alan Smith score that first goal in the game? I think it was the. It was just before half time, I think. So I'm going to go with like the forty third minute. At ten minutes on. Oh really? So it's just after. Oh no, of course, yeah, because yeah, it. George Graham, George Graham yeah. famously said to them at nil nil, they'd done the, their job to keep yeah. Liverpool out. And that, yeah, you're right. Yeah. 53rd minute, Alan Smith scored the mm. first goal. But good, good, good thinking. You were close, but no cigar. No cigar. Final two questions. You've done really well, to be fair. I'm impressed with you. Well done. I tell you what, that is very, very hard to get from State to. Yeah. To, to very, be genuine with so. his praise. <laughs> Isn't it strange how you're just so bad though at modern day football compared to the 80s stuff? It must mean that you're a bit older than what you're laying on. Yeah. That's my only thought. But I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> how many substitutes were allowed in a game per team? As in how many could be used or how many could yeah. be sitting? How many, how many substitutes could be used in a game by a team? I think... I'm going to go with two. 
Correct. Yeah. This was the first season that they allowed to in, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it'd been one up until that point, but they, they added it up to, moved it up to two. And then obviously in the 90s, it got moved up to three. So yeah, well done. Final question. Who had the most teams in the top 10 from our North-South divide? Uh, so I'm going to go with, and I, I, I literally, I'm not going to look at my screen because I do have a league table behind <laughs> our screen. That makes sense. So I'm not going to look at that. Um, but I think it's something like Arsenal, Liverpool, Everton, um, and then you've got Derby, you've got Spurs, you've got Coventry. So it's three on three. Um, oh, who else have you got? Oh, Millwall. So it's four, three to the seven. Man United would four, four. Uh, I tell you what, I'm going to go with the Northern, but only because I'm thinking that there was quite a lot of dross down the bottom from the South. Okay. You, you're wrong. Oh, really? It was a tie. Ah, uh, okay. Trick question. So, nice. It wasn't a trick question at all. <laughs> QPR <laughs> and Norwich City, they're the ones I'm missing. Oh, so, and Forest yeah. as well, yeah. So, yeah, so the North had Liverpool, Forest, Norwich, Derby and Everton. Man United came 11th that season. Um, and the, the South had Arsenal, Spurs, Coventry, QPR and Millwall. QPR are just like a sneaky team into that top 10, really. Not, yeah. not had much mention. Um, but yeah, United went went from being second, I believe, the season before to dropping to 11th, you know. So yeah, bad, bad year for them at the end of the day. It was when Fergie was on the uh, borrowed time around that period, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then Mark Robbins saved his saved his butt the following season, I believed. Um, so yeah. So yeah, there you go. You got you got that one wrong, but um, you know, overall, very good. You know, very I would have got the Liverpool as well. Um you would have done if you'd not been too eager, yeah. You're right. I tell you, I tell you one thing. First of all, that was a great quiz, by the way. Really enjoyed that. But one thing I'd like to add to the research done for this podcast, I absolutely loved the commentary for most of the games that I watched. People like Brian Moore, Barry Davis, yeah. Alan Parry, even John Motson at points. But I just, I think that's one thing that is just never quite right nowadays. The, the commentary in football nowadays. Martin Tyler actually did a lot of commentary in that as well um, yeah. because he, I don't know if he was working for ITV or what, what but he was commentating at that point as well and, and very good, probably a little bit more aggressive than he, than he is now. But I do feel it's a bit depressing with commentary nowadays. I could be um, on my it's, own here. but it, it's, all, it's, it's taken a different stance now, hasn't it? You know, there's different things than they look at. Um, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, Brian Martin, quality, you know. Yeah, if, you, if anyone wants to watch these clips, you can find them on YouTube, sort of BBC sort of season review um, or, or what was it Who, yeah how the title was decided they call them or something like that you what you can watch them and the, yeah it's really good to see the commentary and, and stuff you, and you you have literally just got the commentator basically on there i mean as much as i love gary neville characters and stuff like that you know and their, their insights of games you know second to none don't get me wrong but yeah the commentary from back in the old days yeah can't be it it's so good um but yeah, so, I mean, is there anything else you want to add to this Team of the Past podcast? 
Well, I think I just think you know, it's like I said, it's been really good to to look into it. You know, it's pushing our sort of research knowledge into a season. I don't think either of us will have reviewed outside of the the top two. Basically, you know, the the whole eighty eight eighty nine story in terms of the league was all about Arsenal Liverpool in that last game. You know, forget about the previous thirty seven league games. That didn't matter because you don't remember anything that happened because it all went down to that league game. You know, obviously there was other things that happened that year. The Hillsborough disaster being, you know, the big thing which probably you know took you know took you know the country by you know you know by shock. You know that everything was there. My 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 old man was at that game too. Fair is it was in the other end. And sort of sorry, all happening. So you know, you've got to talk about it. To be honest with you, yeah. um, and rightly so. But um, you know, but yeah, as a season, you know, it's been really interesting to sort of delve into a little bit more about it outside of those those major events. To be fair, um, the only disappointing was Grace. Really, was that the the, the, the Wednesday didn't get relegated that year. Um, we were close to it, but managed to stay up as poxy as they ever are. Um, but, um, but no, it was really good, you know, because there's certain players like, you know, that I've always thought, you know, Kevin Sheedy, I remember being a good player, but he was, you know, he played at like a, that top level for all of the 80s, you know, and he, he came across players like that, you know, watching some of the reviews and, you know, seeing some of the games, you know, you know just, you know, really, really good to sort of watch, seeing Barnes, how good he really was at club level. I don't think he... Barring that goal against Brazil, ever really replicated it fully for England, but at club level for Liverpool, he was just the man, wasn't he? And um, yeah, you, you know, I got to see Gaza still sort of, you know, as a that young sort of player that was just bringing that breath of fresh air to the football in in that in that sort of era before he um, before he did it massively in the ninety nine World Cup, and then after that, unfortunately, things didn't quite go to plan as he probably wanted overall, but. It was there was some fantastic players there that you know stalwarts of the game and also gave people like Tony Adams, young centre half dominating the game back then, and then he carried on dominating for another ten years as a centre half for Arsenal. I think I think it's like especially because we're of the age that we're at, we probably take certain things for granted. But my understanding of of people who are a little bit older than us, they always say that the nineteen ninety World Cup was the turning point. Because football was on the decline in the sense of, I think people were a bit frustrated with how there was a lot of football violence in, in and around the the grounds at that point, in, you know, mm. in, everywhere really, unfortunately. And it took something like the Hillsborough disaster to turn things around and, and, and they had to really put a case on to say, we have to do something different here. But my understanding is that, that the Hillsborough disaster and the 1990 World uh, World Cup really changed English football and it wasn't really until if you think about the 1999 Champions League final where England had a, a Champions League winner and mm. we used to dominate Europe before that in in, in the 80s yeah in the, yeah the early 80s and, and 70s and stuff and yeah. uh, and it wasn't until then that we got it back so I think it's very interesting to look at it from a perspective of someone who was too young to really understand it at the time. But I would highly recommend, you know, like, like State said, to watch some of the highlights on YouTube, just stick in 88, 89 season and just kind of get a, a vibe for it. So this, this, this has been a, a special. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to keep these for international breaks where 
obviously it's it's a bit of a, a struggle to get through due to no FPL. Next international break, I'm sure we can come up with another team of the past. And yeah, we hope that you you enjoyed this one. Again, any feedback, please. We mentioned our Twitter handles earlier, but please get in contact. Let us know. We'd be really interested to to find out what what you think about our team that we picked and our individual North and South team. But yeah, I mean, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. So yeah, from uh, from myself, Heath, it's um, yeah, it's a goodbye. Yeah, and from me, stay as well. In, enjoy the, the rest of your day, afternoon, evening, whichever it is you are when you're listening to this. <laughs>